Okay, before we go to Luke 7, I'm actually going to, you don't need to turn there, but I'm going to read you a quick passage uh, from Colossians. Is it 7 after 11? Is that about right? Okay, thank you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 23 says this, and I'm reading this verse in particular because I know that our story today is simple, and it is about Jesus, and I know that some of us here count ourselves mature in Christ, and so if that's you, I'd like for you to listen to this verse. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Now, from Luke 7, and I'm going to go back and forth from reading and and just um, kind of setting the scene here in this story. We're in a series called Jesus for the People. And one of our stated purposes as a church is to help people connect with Jesus. So are you ready for a few minutes to go with me and connect with Jesus this morning? Okay. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. Okay, we have to stop there. (laughs) We don't really have this in our culture today, and so I need to kind of give us some context. So a Pharisee, long story short, is a religious expert. Okay? Um, It could be in, and he's in a medium-sized town at this point. So this would be kind of equivalent uh, to a talking head that you might see on TV now. This was, yes, um, a Hebrew, a Jewish religious leader who was an expert in the Torah, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, what God gave them as instruction, but also the Talmud, which Hebrews still have to this day, which is a bunch of extra stuff that they wrote that they added that's not in the Bible. A lot of extra rules, a lot of extra guidelines. So Pharisee was an expert in those, but this position also afforded him where he was, most of them were not common pastors like myself with a lot of relationships with people like you. Now, he was a little bit more private than that and he had social stature, okay? So this would have afforded him side jobs that he would have been given, income that he would have been provided from outside the church because of his social standing. He would have also been kind of a social figure and could have political positions that would have also afforded him some money as well. Now, some of you may be familiar with the story of Jesus, and you may know that the Pharisees are kind of the bad guys, but you need to understand that for people that were reading the Old Testament to get to know God at this point, they were kind of supposed to be the good guys, but they weren't acting like good guys, and that's why Jesus needed to come to town, kind of like Martin Luther did on the Germans all up in your face. So some of you know what that means. If you don't, it's no big deal. So the Pharisee was a religious person, someone who had a job, someone who had prestige, someone who was... You know, at the height of culture, music, theater, debate, different things, there was some money involved. Now, at this point, the Pharisees had not decided that Jesus was a bad thing. They were trying to figure out what to do with him. And you have to understand, Jesus was not born to a noble birth, right? His father, Joseph, was what? A carpenter, was someone who was working with his hands. Now, all Hebrew boys would have been brought up to memorize the first five books of the Bible, would be responsible to know the scripture, and Jesus certainly prayed a lot of the Psalms. But a carpenter was not an expert in life. Hello? Right? It's not someone you're following on Twitter. It's not someone that you're turning on the TV or your RSS feed on your phone. You're not looking to them for advice in life. And yet, Jesus had started to teach And he had started to do miracles. Jesus had started to heal blind people, lame people, 
Jesus had started to talk about forgiveness that was available that was beyond what they already saw. Now, that was a scandalous thing because Jesus was talking about forgiveness that was outside of the temple and animal sacrifices, which had originally been set up. Now, only one person was supposed to talk about that sort of thing. And in the Old Testament, we had prophecies of a sent one called a Messiah. So this was starting to get dangerous. This was starting to, just because Jesus was talking about forgiveness, like we've talked about in the last couple of weeks with Matthew's story and the story of the lame man that he healed. And Jesus asked the religious experts, which thing is more difficult to heal him from having not been able to walk his whole life or to forgive his sins? And the answer was to these religious experts to forgive his sins. Now, they were trying to check him out. They were trying to, who is this Jesus? What's he like? He's got all these people are following him around now. What's going on? And can we use him to our benefit? Right? The political aspect of this was an important thing. So they were trying to check him out. Now, Pharisee would be person that had a decent house. And now remember, no refrigeration, no refrigerator, no microwave, no internet, no TV, no phone, no radio. Some of you are like, what's a radio? None of that. No air conditioning. Okay, now it would be common for their house to have, even in in this guy who's not a big wig, um, a house bigger than what they need and a house that was built to make them look important. And that would include a guest house that would be kind of attached. And what would be common when they would throw parties is that this guest house attached to their house would be unlocked, would be open, Um, and would be able for people to walk in, and this is going to be important in our story in just a second, hang in there with me. People would be able to walk in past the walls that they probably had around the house, walk through the kind of guest house to what normally would have been a covered but open air larger eating room where they would have these parties that we're about to read this story in. Now, my wife's uh, mother has uh, neighbors across the street from Afghanistan, and they have set up kind of similarly, but enclosed indoors because they have air conditioning, a big room that's common for people to come in and eat at. And there's a table uh, in the middle for some people, and there's a table in this occasion. But also, instead of there being chairs around, what you have is pads, if you will, uh, cushions, uh, maybe would be a better word, around the perimeter of this room, and people would recline. They would kind of sit with their feet to one side, sit and kind of eat and, and pull from the table, sitting down on the floor on these cushions. That would be the common uh, posture for what's going on. And so that's the setting of what's going on. And for somebody like this who was important, he would regularly as a way of kind of showing off, like, you know, some people show off in other ways, right? So this this would be a way for him to kind of show off, to throw these parties, and people, it would not be uncommon for a stranger to walk through the house and be kind of on the perimeter, and then whether or not they would be invited into the party, but they might be within earshot. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's our situation here. So one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there. Now, we need to stop here as well, and I promise we're going to read the rest of the story. Why has she come? We need to consider this, right? She's that girl, that woman. You know, she's a woman that has that reputation. Now, we've got to remember, what has Jesus been saying? Well, Jesus has been publicly teaching that people needed to repent, to turn away from their mistakes and from their selfishness. 
Anyone else in the room selfish, right? I mean, Jesus was saying, we've got to turn away from our selfishness. And he says, I'll forgive you. Follow me. We just talked about that and what Matthew went through with this. Follow me. And it's really simple for us at any moment to ask ourselves, are we following him? But then what he was doing was not only was he healing people, but as the story I just mentioned, he was forgiving people. He was saying things like, God blesses you who weep. For in due time you will laugh. God, he, Jesus was telling stories like about the house, relating it to a house to be like our life, that for those who listen to him, who follow him, who build their life on him, would be like a house built on a rock, that when the storms of life come, it wouldn't be in shambles, but the house would stand strong. And it's not lost on me today that there are many of us that this month has been really hard. There are many people here today that you're going through some tough stuff. We want to follow Jesus, and Jesus is not over us in a way that He is aloof and disconnected from us. No, He's available to us. He sees what we're going through. He knew that we would, and so He prepared us with words like this. Follow me. Build your life on me. I'll be a solid foundation so that when the storms of life come, your life won't be a wreck. So she had heard this. She'd heard Jesus talk about this. And and I want to just bring you to a place of understanding. No child, no little girl grows up wanting to be that woman. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, Rebecca and I, our firstborn is a daughter. I think about Charlotte and her future. And we don't know the circumstances. It doesn't say, and a lot of times the Bible's not short of saying if somebody was a prostitute or you know, we talked about Matthew being a tax collector and a thief. And, you know, the Bible isn't short of saying this. It doesn't say that. And it doesn't say that she was married. Most likely she was single. But we don't know what pain she was living with, maybe as a child maybe abandoned by her family, maybe a, not a good home, not a place that she wanted to be, that caused her to seek the comfort of men. And, and, and she probably didn't start in some promiscuous way. She probably started with one guy. And he was probably a jerk. He was probably pretty terrible. He was probably selfish, probably had his own issues, but he probably did things so she was carrying pain. No little girl grows up wanting to be that woman. You hear me? Right? No one. When you might be sitting here, well, my life isn't that bad. I've never done that. You know, come on, get over yourself. We're all sinners or forgiven sinners. You know, but unfortunately, and, and it doesn't matter if you live in a city or a small town, we call, you know, Baltimore, Smaltimore because of some of those social impacts, right? It's crazy when I'm around Ronald, how many people he knows. And then all I got to do to get over that is be around Val and she knows everybody else. I think like two of them know everybody in Baltimore City. But you know, when you grow up and you're around people and some of you don't know, but for me growing up, I was the black sheep of my church in a very real way. I ticked off a lot of people. A lot of people gave up on me. You go through life and you do stuff and you make mistakes in life and you start to get a reputation. You start to get a reputation that follows you. No girl grows up wanting to be that woman. We don't know what happened in her life. 
We don't know if she was, some guy just divorced her without reason. We don't know. But at some point, she'd gotten to the point where she was moving from bed to bed to the point where she had a reputation. And most often in our male chauvinistic society, yes, it is still that way, women get a bad reputation, whereas a man who's sleeping around, not so much. Truth? So she's labeled that woman, and, and in it would not have been uncommon for this to mean that also she could not have a job where she could make money the way that things worked back then. She couldn't own her own business. She, couldn't, she would have been like a widow, unable to earn money. So she can't earn money. She may not have a home. And yet, she has been hearing about this Jesus. I want, I want to bring... Are you okay coming into this story? This is important. She hears about this Jesus who's talking about forgiveness. What, what, is, what is this forgiveness it's good news that the guilt has been removed she's heard about this jesus there's pain that she's trying to medicate and everyone in this room has pain and right now with my acl i'm in a different way with my leg learning what it is to live with pain every day and every moment i'm in pain in fact i should sit down hold on (laughs) sorry just i heard my wife's voice for a moment. Um, living in pain is not fun, is not easy, right? And when you live in pain and you're not coming to Jesus with that pain, you self-medicate. And we all do it different ways. Sometimes it's putting someone else down so that I feel better with my words. Sometimes it's stealing, sometimes it's a sexual addiction, sometimes it's a drug addiction, it's abusing alcohol or tobacco or something else. We find something to self-medicate the pain. Now for her, it may have been that when through, through, through uh, intimacy with men, she would feel the closeness as a benefit of another human and wouldn't feel alone anymore was medicating the pain. Who is your Jesus? So, so let, let's come back to the story, okay? I'll start over. I've got a few minutes left to do like 30 minutes work. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Now we know that this would have been at least, no matter what job you had, at least a month's worth of income. Some scholars suggest a year's worth of income that this perfume was worth. And by the the Greek words here, we actually know um, that it was exactly the kind that was common among very wealthy Roman ladies at the time. So she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, She doesn't say anything. She doesn't impose. She just wants to be close to the possibility of forgiveness. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. 
Jesus answered his thoughts. It's kind of crazy Jesus is reading your mind. We really should stop trying to pretend and fake out Jesus. He knows. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver, which would be um, 500 days work. Okay, so over a year's worth of income. 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces, which would be 50 days work. Okay, 50 days worth of your paycheck. Are you with me? 500 days worth to one, 50 days worth to another, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. Now remember, they're not wearing tennis shoes. There isn't asphalt in the street and cement pavement on the sidewalks. Everywhere they walked, it was dirt roads. For the most part, maybe gravel if you were lucky from the Romans. Okay, And they would wear sandals. Not real trendy today, but they would wear sandals. So you're not talking about socks and you're not talking about showers. So dust on the feet was kind of a big deal. When I entered your home, you didn't offer to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, which was the custom, even for men. But from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. Now again, think, you're walking miles between cities, you're hot, no air conditioning, right? A little bit of oil would be refreshing without you having to go down to the river and take a bath when you're already in someone's home. You didn't offer, excuse me, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time, uh, you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man? He goes around forgiving sins. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, we have been talking for a while about faith. Okay, It's actually been our theme for this year. If you go back and listen to the previous messages, it's been our theme. And so I just remind you that faith is involved. Uh, Jesus, you notice, she didn't come and say all the right words, pray all the right prayers, pray the scriptures, do the right thing. But just her being there and her weeping, Jesus looked and he saw someone who was repenting. What he was calling everyone to do, to turn away from their past and their own mistakes and turning to him. And that because she would come and walk through the guest house and walk to the outside of the party and quietly make her way to the feet of Jesus, that by her actions, and for many of you even being here today is the same action, by her actions she was 
proving that in her heart she believed that the sin that was in her life, which, and let's not kid ourselves, right? She's there because she's come to a realization that she is now unable to make life work. Oh, she's tried. People have failed her, probably abused her. But she is unable to make life work on her own. She has come to this realization and just being there at his feet, weeping, showing a faith that is saying, I believe you are the Messiah. You are the one that God sent so that I can be forgiven. When I, she would have been rejected from going to the inside parts of the temple. Where others have put me out, God, through Jesus, you have brought me in. He'll bring you back to Colossians. Let us not get far from this truth. Where ugliness arrives in Christians and we do things that drive people away from church is where we have gotten far from this truth in our hearts. If you're not reminded every day that you are forgiven and what that really means, you're in trouble quick. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this, If we are guilty in one point of the law, we are guilty of it all. You might say, I've never murdered anyone. I've never committed adultery. I've never stolen. I've never done these things. But if you have pride in your heart, you are just as guilty as the guy on death row. And until you come to Jesus, and until you come to faith, and until you come to a realization that your sin is what He died for, you cannot love Him and appreciate Him, and the things that I describe as next steps and where we want to go as a church and what you can be doing in your own life, they're always going to seem unrealistic, they're always going to feel judgmental, they're always going to feel beyond your reach, or you're going to sit there and feel like, I, I don't know, and you know, whatever, and I'm not getting anything you know, out of this, and I don't know what to do. Listen, I need to, on a regular basis, come to a not condemnation that makes you feel sad, but a godly sorrow that the Bible talks about, a realization that my sin that is in my past means that I am was at one point separated forever from the living God. That when Jesus, who had to leave his place on heaven to come to earth, to live a normal life, tempted in every way that we were, Jesus knew what it was to be put out. At this point, when he sits at the table, he's sitting with the Pharisee, he'd already been rejected by his family and his friends from his hometown that he grew up with. He He knew the rejection that she felt from her hometown, he had felt from his hometown. His compassion for her is because he knew it, because he felt it. And no matter where you are today, the same Jesus who said, what's more difficult, that I heal your body or forgive your sins, is available to you today. When you reach out right here, right now, I need that Jesus. And for many of us, we believe that we're living the Christian life, but we don't really repent very often, and we're not really coming back to a place of, have I received the forgiveness of God? I encourage you to come back today to a place of receiving the forgiveness that only God can provide in your life, allowing it to bring change in your heart, and allowing that change to change how you view everyone else in your life and in your world, so that your life can come to a place of mission. It's real simple. I receive His forgiveness and I respond. Everyone, regardless of how much we've sinned or what our sin has been, we've got to respond. 
as though we were guilty of it all. Because if only for our sin Jesus was on the Christ and the Father had to turn His face from Him when our sins were on Him. How do we respond? Well, we do what Jesus said we should do. We believe, we repent, right? And we follow Him. And then, as we saw last week, we invite as many people as possible to follow Him as well. I'm not advocating you be the weird Christian at work, but I am advocating that you start to think about how you live your life and the fact that at some point you will die or Jesus will return. At some point, your opportunities to tell someone who doesn't know Jesus about Jesus, those opportunities do run out. They do. We need that reminder. So let's respond as I close with what... Can you? Cl- I don't know, I may have run out of batteries here. Click that forward for me, please. The way that Matthew and the way that Jesus' followers responded. Let's respond the same way. What did they do? Acts 2. They devoted themselves to Jesus' teaching. Are you? I'm so glad that you're here today. This is a way to devote yourself to His teaching, but devoted is more than attending an event on a Sunday morning. Are you devoting yourself to Jesus' teaching? They had fellowship, they had parties, they hung out together, they shared life together in big groups and in small groups. They met each other's needs, just like Nate is describing of Jimmy and Steve and Melinda and Ron and Lisa. And we are, when we see a need, we meet it. You don't need a position, you don't need a title, we jump in, we meet it. Right? They met each other's needs, they met, they prayed, they encouraged each other, they lift each, lifted each other's up. That's what we are here to do, Right? with each other, and with everyone else in our life, whether they're a believer or not. We're here to love on them, serve them. Why? Because Jesus forgave us. Because Jesus represents that fresh start, that forgiveness that we cannot do of ourselves. Only Jesus could make us right. Will you stand with me and we'll close in prayer today? You know, it's, uh, if you're listening today, I understand that a part of what I'm saying is difficult. If you're thinking about the implications of what I'm saying, I understand that it's difficult. Because what it means is it means you making room in your life for Jesus and for other people. Did you hear what I said? It's like Nate was talking about earlier. It means you've got to make room in your life, time, energy, for Jesus, to love Him with all you've got, to give Him time during your week, to talk to you, to be involved with your life, and making room in your life for other people. i got to change my lifestyle, change my budget, change my schedule, make decisions. I know that sounds challenging, but hey, we're all here. We can encourage each other. Hey, that sounds really hard. Yeah, it does. Let's try together. Does that sound good? We can be here for each other. We follow Jesus together by faith. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us and we'll enjoy some refreshments in the coffee shop and a, a great week. God, I thank you so much that you love us, that you care for us, and that we can come like this woman did to the feet of Jesus and receive a fresh start. Forgiveness, where you make us right with God. 
We might be able to forgive ourselves, but we can't make ourselves right with God without you. I thank you, Jesus, that you make us right with God. That we can come, even if not with fancy words, but just tears, and receive forgiveness. I ask, Lord, that you would cause this to transform our minds and our hearts to motivate us to live our life as a thank you to you and to make more room in our life for you and for other people, that we would be looking for someone that we can be nice to, a smile, a pat on the back, an encouraging word, a listening ear, that we can look for someone that's got a need that we can meet and be involved with. I thank you that you give us hope, that you give us instruction. I thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.